1: Hello, welcome to the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast. I am your host, Ari Barbalat. I am in dialogue today with Ruta Vinagate and Ephraim Zurov. We will be discussing their new book, Our People, Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust, published by Roman and Littlefield 2020. Ruta is an independent author. Ephraim Zurov is chief Nazi hunter of the Simon Wiesenthal Center in Israel. He is a also the Director of the Israel Office and the Eastern European Affairs Office. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. To begin, can you kindly tell us about yourselves? Um, what formative events in your lives inspired the work that you do as an adult? Can you tell us about some of your backgrounds? Can you share with us some biographical information that would help us understand the context to this book?
2: How many hours we have got?
1: Um, whatever you feel comfortable with
0: well so you can start okay so I grew up in New York City in Brooklyn uh, in an modern orthodox home and uh, got was educated in modern orthodox institutions uh, from elementary school to high school to college and um, basically got probably the best. Jewish education that you can get uh, outside of Israel. Uh, so that included very serious knowledge of the Hebrew language, uh, Tanakh, Bible, Gemara, Jewish history, you name it. And um, one of the things that, um, that uh, what do you call it, that um, very much a part of my upbringing was a, uh, was activism, political activism, uh, mostly on behalf of Soviet Jews, but not only on behalf of Soviet Jews, also on behalf of Israel and other Jewish causes. Um, and towards, towards, the, uh, towards the end of my college career, I um, also took courses in, in the study, or actually a course in the study of the Holocaust, uh, and that piqued my interest, and this was one of the things that um, led me to studying the studying the Holocaust, doing a second degree and a third degree in the history of the Holocaust, which eventually also led me to uh, my efforts to help facilitate the prosecution of Nazi
1: war criminals. Thank you for sharing that, Ruta. Can you tell us some about thing about your background and biography? Okay, first
2: of all, first of all, I'm not Jewish. Not a drop of Jewish blood, in spite of the fact that I have such a Jewish nose, as Lithuanians would say. But um, uh, my background is theater, so I studied theater science. And later I was uh, working in the cultural magazines and also doing theater and TV productions. And then uh, some 10 years ago, I started writing books. And then this Holocaust theme came totally unexpectedly and I couldn't stay silent. So that's how uh, I started being interested in the Holocaust. And then I met friend, and we did this book, which some people say is not a historical book, but I think it's a, it's a wonderful travelogue that made an important subject of the Holocaust important at least for Lithuanians.
1: What inspired you to write this book? What message do you hope to convey to your readers? And if you don't mind me asking as well, why did you write this book in the format of a dialogue? Why did you choose that approach to tell this story?
2: You know what? The book wrote itself, I would say, because maybe I wouldn't have started writing the book. I started collecting some information, but if I have not met Ephraim, and this idea wouldn't come to both of us that I am descendant of Holocaust perpetrators, not anybody who would be shooting, but the people who are really part of organizing this horrible crime, and Ephraim was uh, descendant of the, of, the, of, uh, of the victims. So actually, basically, we're like, enemies. And it was interesting to me if the enemies could talk about this and could come to some kind of terms, because for both of us, we had one common enemy. It was not only the, the crime, but the indifference uh, and the attitude towards that crime which prevails in
0: in my society. Um, Thank you. In my case, I had spent uh, many years trying to convince the Lithuanian government to bring to justice uh, Lithuanian perpetrators who had returned to Lithuania. Now, we're talking primarily about people who had run away to the United States, uh, emigrated as refugees, fleeing communism, um, but were Nazi collaborators. And uh, 1979, the United States government uh, established the Office of Special Investigations, which prosecuted uh, immigrants to America who had lied on their immigration and also lied during the naturalization process. And um, I was involved in it. And I was working uh, at the Wieselow Center at that time briefly Uh, They asked for our help to convince witnesses to testify. I made contact with the office. I had a a project to (laughs) create a database of all the survivors in North America, which uh, ultimately failed because uh, the Wiesendorf Center didn't want to invest any money in it. Uh, But I made contacts with them. And before I went back uh, to Israel, I... uh, Convinced them that they needed a researcher in the in Israel because Israel had the largest library, the largest number of survivors. And um, what happened was that the Americans were actually quite successful in stripping uh, Lithuanian Holocaust perpetrators for, of their American citizenship and deporting them back to Lithuania. So, but in America they couldn't be prosecuted on criminal charges, so. They could be in Lithuania, um, because in America, they couldn't do so because the crimes were committed outside the United States and the victims were not American. But in Lithuania, that wasn't the case. So in any event, I tried to get them to bring these people to justice. The Lithuanians turned the whole process into a, into a joke. Not a single one of these people sat one day in jail. And we basically, I basically had run out of suspects. And... The problem then became basically is switched from prosecution to the historical narratives. What's the truth about what happened in Lithuania? And to be perfectly honest, I was trying to explain to them what the truth was, as I saw it. Uh, and they were deliberately promoting a, a different narrative, which was not the whole truth, not the truth at all in, in certain respects. So when I met Ruta, for me, all of a sudden it hit me. They're not willing to listen to me, a guy from Jerusalem, in other words, from Brooklyn via Jerusalem with a kippah in my head. But if Ruta, who's a popular author, joins me and we do this together, maybe there's a chance to convince the Lithuanian public of what what is the accurate narrative of the Holocaust in Lithuania.
1: Thank you. Can you comment on the controversy surrounding the publication of the original first version of this book in Lithuania? What were the ramifications for you?
2: I don't think any publisher would have published this book. I was lucky because before that I wrote an extremely popular book about women in the fifties, which was published like 50 or 60,000 copies. So I was like a golden goose for the publisher. And when I told them that I want to write the book about the Holocaust, so they understood that, well, they have to publish it because otherwise I will not collaborate. I will look for another publisher or maybe I would be less flexible in the future. So they told me the publisher, the biggest publisher in the Baltic States, they told me not to tell anybody that I'm writing this book, especially with Ephraim. And, uh, and they thought that, okay, we're going to publish like 2,000 copies because I knew nobody going to read it. They knew nobody going to read it. And it was super surprising that the book was published 2,000 copies and it they, they were sold out in 48 hours. And the publisher had to publish again and again and again. It was like a major, major scandal in Lithuania. And I think the... The thing was that I popular Lithuania out of teamed with the with the Nazi hunter who is enemy number one, the most hated Jew in Lithuania. And the other um, reason was the title of the book, Our People. Uh, I think it was a super successful title because it creates such a controversy for Lithuanians. Jews are not our people because they are Jews, and the Jew killers are not our people because they are killers. But the book, the message of the book, they're both our people, both the killers and the victims, and we have to face it.
0: Right? Thank you. I have to say that Ruta, besides being a terrific author, a very popular and successful author, is a genius at marketing. And that's why she's the one who chose the name, which conveyed the message in a very powerful way, that the Jews were the people, part of the people of Lithuania, citizens of Lithuania, part and parcel of the Lithuanian population. She also was, she also created a very effective clip for the the, uh, launch of the book, which showed seven places of mass murder in the vicinity of Vilna. And all they saw, it started with a slide which said Seventy-five years ago, the Holocaust took place in Lithuania. And then you see uh, Ruta walking through the snow to these seven places. The name of the place, the date of the murder, the number of the victims. Okay, and then another slide, 200,000 Jews were murdered in Lithuania during the Shoah. It was shown on every single TV channel, and it got the idea across. Listen, ultimately, I think we sold... 20,000 copies, right? More than 20,000.
2: 19,000,
0: yeah. And, and the book was the most read book in public libraries for three years. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But one thing that I want to say, and Ruta, you can correct me if, I, if I'm wrong here. Basically, who read this book? Young people who grew up in Euro, e, e, Lithuania as a member of the European Union, and people lived through the war. Those who wanted to know what actually happened because they didn't—they knew what happened in their village. They didn't know what happened all over the country. But the people who were in power today, and there's the pol- people of the ages of the politicians from like 25 to 65 in the middle, they didn't want to touch the book or the 10-foot pole. Am I right, am I right Ruta?
2: Well, yeah. You know, the thing that there was the book for young people or for their grandparents. For young people, because they didn't know anything. For grandparents, because they knew. Something And the generation of the parents, they are just like with a horrible education, like my generation, education of Soviet education or even education in independent Lithuania where there's no word of Holocaust. So those people, like between 40 and 60, they're most in denial. So families started fighting at the wedding table, at the funeral table. They're fighting. Some people said, no, Jews, Jews got what they deserved and we Lithuanians are the best and we're innocent and the other family members would say, sorry, it happened and we have to face it. So families were fighting. So actually I think we caused a couple of divorces in Lithuania.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that that is the real achievement in this book. This is what you have to understand. You mean the divorces? No, no, not the divorces, not the divorces. The the fact that this uh, accurate historical narrative was presented by someone like Ruta, who the Lithuanian public knew who she is, and they admired her, and they loved her books. And, and uh, since the first time, there was... Presen- ah, and it was not written as academic scholarship. It was written for everybody. And that's precisely what we tried to do. We didn't want it to be... In a, in, a, in a historical journal, we read by two people. We wanted thousands of people to read the story, to know what actually had happened. We wanted people to read and
2: cry. That's what we wanted. And cry, right. And ourselves. Thank you. If you cry, if you cry
0: when you write the book, so somebody has to cry when he reads it, right? You're right. How many times did we cry? We cried plenty on the on the, on the mission. Many, many times we've tried.
1: If you don't want me asking, the book portrays the personal relationship between the two of you. How did it begin? How does the book reflect it?
2: I mean, we were like, we were a team on this travel. So it's like a personal relationship. It was, we started, like, I really didn't know if I can stand the prime because he was, he looked very aggressive from the media. The Lithuanian media portrayed him as a very aggressive person. So I thought, if you know, we, he gets into my car and he was going to shout and scream and say that all Lithuanians are murderers and what, I would not be able to stand it. But he was human after
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, if people are looking for hope and in, 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 in reconciliation, okay, here you have a situation in which one person is a descendant of the descendant of the, of the killers, of the participants, and the other person is, a, is the descendant of the victims, and they not only didn't tear each other to pieces, they got along very well, and they did something very unique, to try and help explain what had happened in Lithuania during the Holocaust.
2: But you know what, but Ephraim, it just occurred to me that like, you know, many, we are like have this village mentality in Lithuania. We always need a devil and we need a monster. So for Lithuanians, we were the devil and the monster. Mm. And I was not an angel, but I was okay and uh, by uh, by teaming up with you i also became a monster and then when we when i met this uh, historian christoph Dickmann, and we wrote another book the thing the the thing what they kept telling historian they were kept telling ruta is a monster why you team up
0: with her that's so, what they told Dickman. that's what yes, they told christoph
2: yes yes she's a witch she's she's putin's agent she's bought by the jews i mean she is a devil, basically. But so I mean, so, and this is classic. It's a classic. Kill the messenger.
0: Kill, kill the messenger. Kill the messenger. Right. <laughs> but, the messenger but for the first time, the messages, right? but for the first time, the messenger was one of them, That not someone from the outside. No, that's- that became an outsider because Why I you came pushed outside. Jew. Yes, you were pushed outside. Yes, yes. That's true. It means they, I'm they, not Lance with my Lance nation, Burgess, I'm what not- Lance Burgess wrote about you? I mean, that's outrageous what he wrote about you. It was absolutely outrageous. Basically told you to go commit suicide now that you've betrayed the country. But I didn't. You see, you, you did the patriotic thing. You, you told the truth about your country. What's a patriotic about it? <laughs> no, listen. If, if Lithuania is under a cloud, in a, certain, in a certain sense, a metaphoric sense. There's this black cloud over Lithuania because of what happened in the Shoah. And and it'll never go away until they admit what happened. Whoa, oh, you are not right. It
2: goes away if you don't lift your head up.
0: Ah, I see, I see. But people have this tendency, you know, they're very, they're very curious. So they want to look up and see. People it. are not
2: curious. Ephraim, people are not curious. Some people People are curious. Yes, some people are. 19,000 copies of this book were sold. So it means 100,000 people read it. So 100,000 people
0: were curious. That's wonderful. It's an an amazing figure. Absolutely amazing. But the the government, the leadership, political leadership of Lithuania, still has not reached the point where they're able to say, we did it, we were... not we only them. Obviously without the Germans there there wouldn't have been a Holocaust. But but um, to say the words, many Lithuanians participate. This well, okay. is listen, listen. Okay, one I'm second, missing. one second. When when if you remember there was a desecration of the monument in Ponar. Ponar is the mass murder site of the Jews of Vilna. And they painted V and Z, letters B and Z on on the monuments, which are the letters that the Russians painted on their tanks. As if to say, the Jews support Russia and they don't, they, they're not on the side of Lithuania. So the prime minister said, issued a statement. And she said, Ponar is a tragic chapter in the history of Lithuania. True, right. What did she say? Uh, it, the Nazis and others murdered the Jews. What others? Maybe they, they came from Mars in a spaceship? And then they went back to Mars. That's why we can't find them. I mean, say it, say the truth, for
2: God's sake. You don't, you shouldn't blame politicians because the only thing politicians want to do, they want to be reelected. And if the majority I, I, I of society know, is... But it's a,
0: it's a tragedy. If because of they want to be reelected, they can't tell the truth, right? Right. What's tragedy about it? It keeps them in the position.
2: It's, the only tragedy is not to be re-elected. Then what do you right. do? Right. The only tragedy for politicians is not to be re-elected.
0: Because it's, what What do you do? What do you do? You write your memoirs.
2: <laughs> well, so if a lot of people, the majority of voters, like my generation or a little bit younger, are kind of anti-Semitic and they think they're uneducated and they think just, uh, Jews got what they deserve, these are the voters. This is the attitude of Of the major part of the society. And it changed with decades.
0: Okay, so let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What should be done in order to help Lithuanian society come to terms with what happened? An an accurate, accurate, you know?
2: Like I asked my daughter, okay, I asked, you know, because now I'm in Spain, I met some young Lithuanians and they refused to listen to anything about the Holocaust. They say, no, 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 Lithuania is saving the Jews. I said, my daughter, she is 35 years old. They said, why do they think this way? Because it, that's what we were told at school. Because this, in school, there's absolutely, the Holocaust education was non-existent. The Soviet times is non-existent still. There are one and a half lessons about the Holocaust where they teach that Lithuanians were saving Jews. And some of the teachers in Lithuania, they came to me at the book fair and say you know what we try to tell facts from your book and for students who are like 13 14 years old and they say they couldn't take it they couldn't take it it was too horrific and then the teacher said then we stopped because it's shocking and traumatic for children
0: interesting okay that it's important it's important to know but so what's the solution what do you, where do you do what would you do? Listen, my, my theory is, after, from our experience, okay, and what happened and everything, my theory is that we will never be able to change anything unless we have Lithuanian people, ethnic Lithuanians, non-Jews who are willing to tell the truth and teach the truth and, and, and explain it to the public coming from the outside we can't do this. like you said you, you told me all the time I ruined the wedding when I came when I came to Lithuania to try and get the, the Lelakis and Gimjaowska's uh, put on trial and you were right. if I look back it, 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 after listening to, to to the conversations that you that you what we had in the, in the car I said to myself, you know what you're right you were hundred percent right so so what's the solution the solution is, that people, local people, who are not suspected of being unpatriotic or Putin's agent or the agent of the Jews or whatever, they're the ones who have to do it. Of course, we can help them from the outside, but the face of the, you know, of the campaign, campaign of the efforts has to be Lithuanian, has to be Lithuanian. Well, And okay, people you know whose, that... patriotism, whose patriotism is not suspect.
2: What I would, uh, how I would comment, you know, I see that like those people who travel outside of Lithuania, because I would call Lithuania an angry village. It is an angry village with a very provincial thinking. And if people, young people travel and stay, not travel to see Paris or Turkish hotel, travel and they have friends and they talk to friends because they're, um, the, the young people in the Western Europe, they are educated they know everything about the Holocaust. And if I being, you know, some kind of you know, village man goes go somewhere and meet other people who tell, oh, you Lithuanians, you killed the Jews. What happened? Tell me, let's talk about it. Slowly but definitely, his eyes would open. And then he maybe he comes back to Lithuania and he starts reading or he starts talking to his friends. People have to get out of angry village to become more open-minded and talk to people who have Western education.
0: Listen, but you're, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, that's 100% right. But how do There's we There's no other it?
2: way. And my generation has to die
0: away. It's lost. I think your generation is lost in that
1: regard.
2: Yeah, we'll be gone. So that's good news.
1: <laughs> if, if you don't mind me asking, if you don't mind me asking, um, one of the tragic events your book describes is the killing of Jews with crowbars at Le Tukis Garage on June 27th, 1941. Can you provide more detail about what happened, who perpetrated this? What were the ramifications? Can you elaborate on this horror?
2: Well, it's a, it's a horrible event, but that is a pogrom that was provoked by by Germans. But they found Lithuanian partisans were willing to, to do it in a very cruel way. And the horrible, most horrible thing that local people watched. it. I think they just wouldn't, you know, There are many later there are many evidence that you know, Lithuanians were watching the mass murder events. So I'm deeply ashamed and shocked by this. But later after this, after this massacre, uh, Germans decided that, you know, killing should be uh, performed outside of the public view. And that's what they did in the forests.
1: Can you tell us about the Rainiai Forest Massacre? What transpired? What is known about this event?
2: It's one of the mass massacres. I'll tell you,
0: baby. I'll say a few words. The okay, before sure. the Russians evacuated completely from Lithuania, before the German troops came, they took prisoners among them, Lithuanian uh, nationalists who were imprisoned by the Soviets because of their nationalism, because of their loyalty to Lithuania, and they murdered them, and they 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 violated the bodies, and it was a horrible, ha- horrible mass murder. And it's become a symbol of the Soviet murder of Lithuanians. And so it's it's been it's been in other words, they bring it up time m- many times. It's. It's become, it's become iconic in a certain sense. And what else? And what else
2: happened? the suspicion
0: was that Jews, the suspicion was that Jewish KGB men were involved in this murder. And one One, in particular, Nachman Dushinsky. Nachman Dushinsky. They accused him of doing it. He claims that he wasn't even there at Renat, but I don't know what the truth is, to be honest. I have no idea what the truth is
1: what transpired at the Mikevisius Ravine in Kaunas can you say more about this killing site of the Jews
2: so like the f- f- first days of, of Soviet occupation Lithuanian government provisional government they issued a decree to create the first concentration camp and uh, not, the, not the
0: occupation not Soviet occupation
2: no 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 yeah 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 right the, that's occupation yes yeah so those people were kept for a couple of days, and they were, were brutally murdered. And now this place is privatized, and the parties are happening there. So we have been there in this in this
0: uh,
2: valley, or I've been. So after Can this me- pogrom in Liatukis garage, that was the second mass killing. And German soldiers who were like in the in the hospital nearby nearby this concentration camp heard all the screaming and the shooting and whatnot. And after that, those two events, Germans decided to 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 avoid public executions and create mass murder uh, squads and transfer the the killings into the forests around Lithuania.
1: Can you tell us about the Ponar killing grounds? For our listeners, in more detail and depth, what does your book reveal about Ponar and what transpired there?
0: Ephraim, you want to, to talk about Ponar? Okay, so Ponar was the site of the mass murder of Jews throughout the Holocaust, basically, throughout the period of the Holocaust. From the very beginning, from the middle of July, first murders were carried out at Ponar, If I'm not mistaken, and if the story that I heard was accurate, actually my uncle, my great uncle, excuse me, Rabbi Ephraim Zah, who uh, I'm named for, was one of the first people who were murdered there on the the 13th of July, 1941, which was uh, in the Jewish calendar. It was a fast day, which actually fell on, on a Shabbat. So it was moved to Sunday. So this day, Sunday, this July 13th, 1941, there was a, a gang of Lithuanian vigilantes who were roaming the streets of uh, Vilna, Vilna, looking for Jews with beards. And apparently he had a beard, even though we've never seen a photograph of him with a beard, or the photographs that we had in the family. And he was taken to Lukoshka's prison. And apparently from there, sent to Ponar, and this is one of the first murders there, but throughout the entire period of the of the Holocaust, a Lithuanian, primarily not not exclusively, but li- primarily Lithuanian unit called the Ipatinga, the special ones, were the ones who carried out the murders. Now, the, the site itself was like supposed to be like an oil an oil what do you call it um, ref- not a refinery a a place where you store oil. Uh, this was during the Soviet time. That's how it was planned. And also, there was a there was a train uh, tracks close by also, and they had these huge pits, seven seven huge pits mm-hmm. in Ponar. Mm-hmm. Now, one of one of the things that Ponar is very well known because of a diary that was kept by a Polish uh, journalist who lived near Ponar, Sakovic. And he wrote about the, the, the murders and what he, he could even see it from his window. Uh, it's become a symbol, certainly for, um, for Lithuania. And that's where the uh, national remembrance on the Lithuanian Holocaust Day, which is the 23rd of September, the day of the evacuation of the Vilna Ghetto. That's, that's where the ceremony is is held, is held every year. There's also a small museum there that they're now talking about turning into a big museum. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but um, it's a a symbol. I mean, there's a very famous poem in Yiddish about Ponach by Sutzkewe. I think it's by Sutzkewe. But what is
2: actually sad for me, like it's a symbol and that's the only place Lithuanian politicians are visiting once a year and the scenario is always the same. The words are the same. The same person is coming with a with a violin. Everything is fine. I mean, we, we commemorated the Jews and that's it. But there are other 233 places throughout the Lithuania. But what happened actually after the book, those places were sometimes forgotten, neglected. You couldn't find them. But sometimes now, if I pass a, a, the killing site of 100 people or 200 people, I see I see a candle, I see a, a bunch of flowers. So it means local people are aware of what has happened near their houses, and they start coming. And that's very nice and sweet, I think. that's not only Panar. I cannot imagine that it could be one symbol of the Holocaust, like Auschwitz. There are no symbols. Every every victim deserves to be commemorated and and visited.
0: One one thing I can tell you about Ponar, just a personal experience. Uh, during the Soviet times, there was very serious Holocaust distortion as well. And uh, for example, the Soviets refused to acknowledge that the Jews had been singled out for murder by the Nazis. So in Ponar, there was a monument which said to the victims of fascism, and the same. Caption was in Rumbula outside Riga, where 25,000 Jews were murdered, in Minsk, in Mali in, in Kovna and Ka- Kaunas at the Ninth Fort, the same thing to the victims of fascists. Yeah. But a year after Lithuania got independent, a brand new monument was built at Ponar. A very respectable monument with uh, captions in four languages, which specifically say that the, the, the victims were the Jews who were killed by the Nazis and, the, and their helpers. So at the ceremony, which was held in June of 1991, uh, the keynote speaker was Gediminas Vignorius, who was the prime minister of Lithuania at this time. And he said, uh, first of all, he said that uh, all of this took place in a th- in little more than an eye blink in three months. No one knew what he was talking about because the Holocaust was three years in Lithuania. Then he said basically that the good rep- the reputation, uh, Lithuania's reputation cannot be ruined by a few criminals, people who uh, reject society rejects, not normative people when so much was done to help Jews, which, of course, wasn't the case. So, in other words, in the West, when the Soviet Union crumbled and these countries made the transition to, to democracy, people thought that they'll accept, the, accept you know, the, the narrative of the Holocaust, as we know, it, in the West, let's say. But it, it turns out that from the very beginning, this has been, this has been the problem. In other words, this has been the narrative. We, we're not denying the Shoah. The Shoah was a terrible tragedy. The Germans came and murdered our Jews. And if you go to Latvia, it's the same. And if you go to Estonia, it's the same. If you go to Croatia, wherever it is, uh, that, that's that's the issue.
2: a it's only natural because how can you live knowing that your grandparent was a killer? Your first human reaction is to deny. It. Or how can you live with the knowledge that Jewish stuff is in your house? The stuff of or clothes or furniture or something of murdered people. It's unbel- it's unbearable. You know, it, they say that the Holocaust is like a black hole. It is. Like, it, it doesn't leave me. I can never get rid of the guilt and the shame and whatnot. So I understand people like ordinary people, they don't want to face it. It's impossible. It's like those children who are told by a teacher uh, truth. Maybe she, she she told them for 20 minutes or half an hour, one hour, and she realized from reaction of kids they cannot take it. You don't know if right, what does what the feeling is belong to the nation where so many ordinary people were killing and others, ordinary people were taking this They. The, the the stuff of the the
0: murder.
2: Yeah. you just cannot take it
0: but listen these are the grandchildren now they're not the, the perpetrators still still maybe listen, it's my you know family what, you know I mean what, listen, what you... you listen I'll give you an example that that proves that you're right it took France 50 years France 50 years to to acknowledge the 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 guilt of Vichy 50 years. We're only 32 years after independence yeah. in, in Lithuania. And what they did in Lithuania was far worse than what the Vichy police did. Because the Vichy police didn't murder the Jews. They only sent them to be murdered. Not that that's okay, but I'm saying.
2: You know, we're just like national trauma. And we are still, we, are, we don't, uh, we know that we have village people. We are village, and we don't belong to to the Western Europe in in the proper sense. Because with Iraq education, we like this, we like that. And then on the top of that, as we have being so self conscious, we are not okay. Somebody says, "You are not only not okay. You are the nation of murderers. How can you live with this?" We want to be good people. We want to be Westerners. We want, you know, to be to belong to the to the civilized world. And it's like my friend, one of my friends, I lost so many friends with this book. One of them, I just had an interview with the BBC film. And she said, Ruta, you are going again to tell the whole world that we Lithuanians killed the Jews. I said, yes. But she said, why? I said, because they did. But that's for her was natural question. Why you tell the whole world about this? We know it, but we shouldn't talk about it. Because then all the world thinks that we are just monsters. She's right. It's easy to say a am to, to face the truth, but it's so painful,
0: even for at me. Least, at least one part of this is over. In other words, there no, there's no one left to be put on trial. So once that is out of the way, maybe it'll be easier for people to face it.
2: No, it's another thing that our book did. I don't think there are many people in Lithuania that never heard the word Holocaust and never heard the word Musishki. <laughs> I think everybody knows If they deny, but at least they know this. Somewhere deep in their mind, they know the word Musishki and the word Holocaust. So the process has started.
0: Listen, there's no question. i tell you the truth. That's one of the things I am most proud of is this book. And there's no question that without you, this book never would have happened. Thank you. (laughs) You deserve it.
2: Now I have to to get out of Lithuania. I got out of Lithuania because life was unbearable there. Not only because of weather. Okay.
0: What about why Spain of all countries? It's cheaper and more sunshine. Ah, I see. I was I thought you'd go to England, be near Adele.
1: No. Can Can okay. you describe? When is there
0: ter- terrible over there
1: <laughs> in England. Can you describe the role played by the role commando Haman? Mobile death squad.
2: Yeah, there were two. Uh, actually three murder squads, and the uh, Haman actually was very interesting because he was a very low-ranked uh, officer. He's not an officer. He was what you call it? I mean, a lower rank. Sergeant. You what
0: know, he? death sergeant or something?
2: Not even a sergeant. Just like I don't know whether he's in this army. Never been to the army, but actually he was. I mean, highly Lithuanian and generals were obeying him. So he was disappointed to have a, a murder squad with sometimes he, uh, he would travel around Lithuania. Sometimes he was present. Most, most of the time he wasn't present. Like some 10, 20 uh, Lithuanian soldiers were go- going around the country and everything was prepared for them. Like the, the, the place was selected, the pits were dug, the, the guards were there. So they just had had they had to come, shoot, and go by bus, go to another place, sometimes two, three places in one day. And that was, I mean, this was a roller commander, and another commander was uh, I- Ipatingas Buris, a special squad, who was killing Kimponar and around Vilnius. So there were two, and then one one is Sholey, but there's very little little uh, material
0: about that. Uh, but there's also the ones that were sent to Belarus.
2: Yeah, not, I mean, follow, follow, yes, Belarus, yes. yes, 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 that was the fourth one, yeah but they were not active in Lithuania, so they, they were sent to Belarus yeah, to fight Soviet partisans with beards and children.
1: Can you tell us about Heinrich Karl? Why is he notorious? What role did he play in Nazi-Lithuanian collaboration?
0: No, in- he was the commissar in Minsk. He was in Minsk. The, 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 I'll tell you the story with Karl. He uh, he complained to his superiors in, in Minsk that the uh, Lithuanian unit that was sent to Belarus, to Slutsk, created such havoc that all the people were worried now that after the Jews, they'll start murdering the Belarusians. So he said, never send that unit to my place again. Uh, no, 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 not, not he. What's his name? Either he or he was the one who received the information. But he was a, a, a Nazi functionary in Belarus. He wasn't even in Lithuania.
2: Mm-hmm. But interesting, you know that one of the commanders of the of the battalion which was sent to Belarus is named uh, Jonas Krikstaponis, and there is a monument for him. And even today, there was an article by Lithuanian journalist asking you politicians, why don't you have a political uh, will to remove this this monument in the center right. of town? but i mean if you remove it i mean maybe people will get upset and if you can postpone it in order to be reelected, as i mentioned before so you postpone it until the next term next year next decade
0: oh. it's easier to it, build a it, it, than to... You know, someone in uh, i was in i was in the south southern u.s giving a whole series of lectures and i met a young uh, a young man from south africa a jewish a jewish guy from south africa who got a Lithuanian uh, a Lithuanian uh, passport? So I said to him, "Why did you get a Lithuanian passport?" He said, "Because they wanted to get out of South Africa, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And he said, "Well, maybe there's someone I can vote for who will tell the truth." I, I couldn't give him one name. Is there anyone in the semas who can tell the truth?
2: Yeah, but they are. I mean they could talk, tell the truth when they talk to me or somebody else or at home. Oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't talk on or you wouldn't put it on Facebook because you're gonna be attacked very bitterly if you if you are openly, you know, talking about the Holocaust. So many people are supportive to, to us to the book, but not in, not in public. Not in public. Not really.
0: Listen, this is this is what I wrote. I wrote in my app ed for, for the uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day. I wrote about IRA, right? And the good things that they're doing. But at the end of the day, the, the countries that are distorting the history of the Holocaust, they sign, they sign for resolution to, to fight against Holocaust distortion. <laughs> they're the ones who are distorting it. And you can't take any sanctions against them. Well, but I would
2: say that, you know, what about Israel? When Rivlin came to Lithuania and there was in Ponar, there was a monument saying that, you know, as yes, uh, the, the German fascists killed the Jews. And Rivlin said, where are the local perpetrators? And you forced Lithuanian government to change the inscription. So if the, if the Israeli prime minister or, or president would come to Lithuania, and said, guys, or even ambassadors, said, guys, it's not okay. Remove the plaque. Remove the statue. Lithuania would the, do I it. They, did
0: something they, even worse with, yes, Visited visited uh, Lithuania and he's a Litvaka on top of everything. He's yeah,
2: from Shadova, yes.
0: He, he praised Lithuania how they're commemorating the Holocaust. So you know I know said, it, it, I wrote in a press release that's like praising the Ku Klux Klan for improving race relations in America.
2: Ambassador, I asked the Israeli ambassador to Lithuania why they don't do anything like this. Like they say, we don't fight with our friends.
0: Who said that? Maimon or Yasin
2: I lady? wouldn't tell you.
0: Ah!
1: <laughs> Speaking of Belarus, one of the sites your book also devotes attention to is Mali Trostinek, which is located outside of Minsk, where Minsk. Can you elaborate on this site?
0: Mali okay. Trostinek was the killing ground of the Minsk ghetto. Where there were some 80, 80 to 100,000 Jews in the ghetto there, many of whom were murdered by the Nazis. And Latvians, one of the Latvians, half of the Aris Commando, which was a Latvian murder squad, was sent to Minsk to help kill the Jews in Minsk. But
2: now there is not a word Jew. It's a huge memorial, and a lot of sculptures. Right. Nicely we were there.
0: We, that- we were in Minsk. We went there and it didn't say Jews. People. In other words, in Belarus is the same as Russia used to be, right? The Soviet Union. Total distortion of the Holocaust. Mm. Peace-loving citizen, that's it. The problem The problem is really politics. That's the problem. Political will. It, no. it, it plagued, one second, it plagued the efforts to bring Nazis to justice everywhere in the world. Lack of political will. And it's the same thing now. They don't want to fight for the truth. And it's a disaster in a certain sense. So it's a disgrace to the... It's it's like... It's desecrating the memory of the victims and, and, and just totally unacceptable. This is what I say. And that's why I think Ruta is a hero and she did something that almost no one in Lithuania would do. And she deserves our admiration and our adulation and only good things. You know what... They say that there is no
2: uh, no such thing as courage. People who are, act courageously, they're just people who have, have lack of imagination. Had I know well, what's waiting for
0: me, maybe I would it have thought. You ever hear that one? No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Good to see you, Ephraim.
1: It was it was and an honor to, to it was an honor to have this dialogue with you today. Thank you for everything you shared with us. If You don't mind me asking, uh, now that we're bringing our dialogue to a close, where have you focused your time and efforts since this book has been completed? Are you working on any additional projects that you can share with us?
2: Okay, so I wrote another book with the German historian about the Holocaust in Lithuania, where I this my input is very not so big because I was just asking questions like anybody, anything. Decent citizen would ask, you know, be the wonderful specialist in, in the Holocaust. So this book was met, uh, received in Lithuania with total silence. And it's not be not, not, not sold out so well, not selling out uh, selling so well. It has been also published in, in the United States. And after that, I wrote recently I wrote a book about the main prison in Lithuania. Uh, Lukaszka's prison, one of the places that Jews also um, kept, including Ephraim's uh, great-grandfather. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to, yeah, sorry, great-uncle. And uh, this book will be launched in in Lithuania in February. So I don't know, maybe
0: some bookstores will take it. But what, if, what about English? Ruta, will it be in English also? I don't know
2: it I just it's just published you know like a
0: couple of weeks I said ago published. Okay.
2: but actually it's a whole through the prison you can you can uh, disc, uh, disclose the whole history of Lithuania and Vilna from wow. 115 years of prison through the prisoner through human stories this is the story of of
0: my city wow 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 so what say so who's publishing it who published it a small publish, publishing house.
2: But the good news the is line? that Alma, Alma Literacy's uh, bookstores are taking it.
0: Are Signing. taking it? Yes. Eze yeah. Elfri, that's fantastic. Yeah. Wonderful. So,
2: Wonderful. This book will not will be in the bookstores. But I mean, there's no publicity for it whatsoever. So my name is still not not so good because, I mean, media wouldn't write about the book. Even no, what's his
0: yeah. name? Mindo Even Mindogas won't write about no, it? No, 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 hmm. no way. No way. Nobody.
2: So it's not nice to be a devil, if I'm... I You know the feeling. Now I know the feeling too.
0: <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you something very, very funny. You know that there have been three movies. There have been three movies now, okay, in the last six months that have come out about Lithuania's role in the Holocaust. So Michael Kretschmer's movie... Did you see it? Jacuzzi? you didn't like it. I remember you wrote to me. And and the Eugene Levine, the Baltic Truths movie, but that's about Lithuania and Latvia. And the and the BBC movie, or when did the Holocaust begin? And that's the one that you were in, but he focused on the on the archaeological forensic archaeology of finding the, the mass murder sites. And, uh, and and I was saying to myself, how is it possible that, that both of us were not in any of these movies in a meaningful way?
2: Well, they don't film the devil.
0: The devils, I think.
2: <laughs> but interesting, these three, three films, they are not shown in Lithuania, you know? Neither
0: of them. Listen, the Lithuanian ambassador was fighting against showing it in America. The, the, okay. the in Los Angeles. Is, is showing the movie Bought the Truce. The Lithuanian went to Riga. Went, what did he do? He went to Riga to complain about the council in Los Angeles is showing the movie about how the Latvians killed the Jews. You see, you see.
2: OK, guys, wonderful talking to you. Now I have to go. And uh, OK, let's stay in touch, OK? Thank A you. OK. okay Thank sure. you. All the best right. to both of you. OK. All right. So all the Thank best you. to you,
0: my dear. You deserve okay,
1: it. Bye. To our listeners, I am Ari Barbalat, your host today on the New Books Network. I have been in dialogue with Ruta Vainagate and Ephraim Zurov. Dis- Ephraim <laughs> Zurov. <laughs> we have been discussing their new book, Our People, Discovering Lithuania's Hidden Holocaust, published by Roman and Littlefield 2020. Ruta is an independent author. Dr. Ephraim Zurov is chief Nazi hunter of the Simon Wiesenthal Center in Israel. He is also the director of the Israel Office and Eastern European Affairs Office. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, thank you, Ari.